Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, etc., etc. How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Who doesn't love free? And ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. That's right. Free platform, free sponsorship. What more could you ask for? So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, etc., go to anchor.fm slash start, anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Please get started. It's all love. This is a great space for the creative Anchor podcast. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. Will I ride? Will I ride? Yeah. This ain't no podcast, it is a broadcast. Yeah. Yo, this the smartest and dumbest you ever heard. Intelligent and ignorant, you heard it first. Sipping on this brown with a brown skin Cognac and caramel skins with time beard Who you love, who you hate, well let's talk about it The hottest topics and best believe we ain't going gothic Hotter than the tropics, you looking forward, you know we got it See the bigger picture, no microscopic We the livest, know you tuned in Yeah we know you tuned in, nothing but a G thing All we missing is juice and gin Tying up the loose ends, we ain't ask for your two cents Special guests every single day and still no new friends Calm down youngin', I know you see that we running I promise that this ain't nothing compared to what's really coming Andre, I ain't talking 3000, I'm talking drumming off the glass when I dunk it, it's geese, just say you love it. Uh, this that ignorant, it's true like, yeah, getting jiggy on the mic, one, two, one, two, this that ignorant, it's true like, you know, sports, social commentary, women in life, yeah, this that ignorant, it's true like, uh-huh, getting jiggy on the mic, one, two, one, two, this that ignorant, it's true like, you know, sports, social commentary, women in life, that's right. I'm in. All right, man. Mic check one two one two. All right, wait, waiting on smash. Oh, we definitely gonna wait on my man. You know, ignorant intelligent podcast. We here live with the Talker Brothers podcast. How you feeling this evening, my man? Uh, I'm pretty good, bro. About yourself? I'm doing. I'm doing good, man. Staying jiggy. You know, drinking water and minding my business as the as the IG thotties be saying nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they don't be hydrated, and they still be in everybody else. No, you did. All right, no doubt. <laughs> You know, um, I, I want to start first. Starting off, man, man, where you, where you located at? I'm a I'm originally from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, born and raised. 
but okay. I actually I actually live in, in Houston, Texas. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. What's the uh, what's the cultural difference since um, you've seen you know moving from city to city? Um, well, you know, New Orleans is more of a service town, party atmosphere, whereas okay. Houston is more of uh, you know gas and all. Um, it's more of a, I mean, it, it, the, the the ability to find work is more abundant here than it is in in actually New Orleans. But I love home, man. I can't nothing gonna take away from the love of home, the food, the people, the culture, the music. You know, yeah. so I miss that. But you know, you I've been here for over twenty plus years, so you know I'm Louisiana raised. You know. But I'm Texas mm. size now. <laughs> uh, I see that. <laughs> Smash, mm. how, how's it going, my baby? I see you joined being live. Oh man, it's all good, bro. Yeah, I'm. I'm on. Hey, my, my, man, my man, tell me you from that dirty south, that 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 Mississippi. How, how you feeling down there? Oh no, I'm from uh, I'm from Atlanta. Are you from the Are you from the Peach State? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Talk about that vibe, man. How did that come up from the ATL? Oh man, that was all good. Like you know, what I'm saying nothing like it. You know, what I'm saying just the atmosphere of the dirty south, but living in a big city and just being exposed to everything. It's it, it was. I love it, man. Well, it's, you know, I'm asking, man, because Atlanta, man, is a hot spot right now, man. It's a lot of uh, uh, black entrepreneurship uh, regrowing and booming down there right now. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the place you want to go if you are black and trying to be. You know what I'm saying? Successful and want a good start. So that's a good place. Yep. And I'm, I'm actually here from Detroit. You know, as I, I was talking to your guy earlier, you know, um, a lot of ashy roads on that seven mile. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But ultimately, man, there's a lot of good culture here, man. A city of hustlers, you know, a city of big dreamers and, and ambitious people. You know what I'm saying? And I'm seeing my culture. Uh, Dip and dab into a lot of different cities, man. Everybody really trying to swag jack, but for the most part, you know, everybody oh, you... know when the Detroit dude walk into the room, we thorough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they always got to hit you with the "What up, though?" <laughs> <laughs> what up, though? <laughs> uh, let's dive right into it, man. You know, Oscars just popped off, um, twenty nineteen. You know, um, I, I really want to speak on. You know, do we really need? As black uh, people with, with the prestigious academy that we do have, do we really need the acceptance of these institutions any longer? You know, to validate our crafts? No, no. <laughs> and excuse my French, hell no, we don't. <laughs> <All right now. laughs> Talk about it, my man. But you know, I think there's such. I mean, there, there's such um, ingrained in, in the culture of the fabric of, of America that they're just the oldest society right so therefore we always want to we tend to look for them to accept us to to validate or or justify our roles into whatever we're doing music or art or or movies but at the end of the day we don't really need them to to justify that we did a good job but it's just (laughs) like we were talking off wax it's, it's kind of crazy how we can go have the BT Awards and all these other black entities and we don't know how to act. But then when we go to these Oscars, you know, we button up tight. There's no drama. You know, it's just like, why can't we have our own and recognize and identify our own and praise our own? And that, that's the thing I'm all about. You know, and I'm not I'm not big on award shows, period. 
regardless they're right. black, white, doesn't matter to me. Because good, good. Because what I think is good, you may not think is good. You know, the masses may not think it's good. But that's matter, that's right. yeah. So I, for for me, so I, I'm just like, you know what? If that's what makes validates you, then go for it. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't validate me as a person and what I'm doing as a creative. Mm. Smash, go ahead and elaborate, man. Talk about it. Do you think the validity of these institutions in this day and time is, is solid, man? What you think? I, I wouldn't say that they're, they're solid. I think uh, basically what D was saying is the true. Like you know, it's a old, it's an old um, thing that you know the Oscars been around since the beginning. So that's what everybody it's knows. Traditionalism in a sense, right? Yeah, but if you look at it, like we we never needed. In, in the community, we never needed those shows to validate us because we still always uh, supported Spike Lee, Regina King, uh, Denzel Washington. We always go watch their movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's why. That's why. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been watching Regina King since she was on Two Two Seven. You right. know, as a kid. Oh, God, wait. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we don't need that to validate us. But what does happen? Like D was saying, like um, you know, people get buttoned up. But for some reason, as black people, we feel like if we're validated by white people, then we're accepted. We've made it or something like that. So mm, that, right. that's where the problem lies. We, we've been so uh, brainwashed to look at the uh, acceptance level for white society on how we should be as blacks instead of just being ourselves and doing what we do. Uh, me and Dee have talked about it numerous of times, man. Uh, if, if you look at how we came together when Black Panther came out, Man, like that—that that just shows how we can function as a as a community if we all put our money and our and our uh, time together, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that personally. I was talking to your man off wax as well about, you know, how, how these niggas, you know, when it comes to the source, I or the BT, everybody shuns it or looks at it like it's not prestigious. It's, yeah, like it's less than validating yeah. our own culture. Yet we we put our influence in, in our culture into these brands and, 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 and their institutions like the ABCs, the NBCs, these big networks, the academies like the Tony Awards, the, the Grammys and shit like that. Motherfuckers be like, oh, boycott this, that, and the third. As soon as they get validated or accepted, they turn the other cheek, not in their gown and they suit, talking about, oh, here goes my acceptance speech for, for that. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> yep. I just think so that's right. Whack. I really think that's whack, man. I really think people need to get backbones people really need to stand on something and that I mean you you, you, know? you even look you look at the stuff that's going on with Monique between Monique and and, and Oprah Winfrey how we are how we are fighting amongst ourselves about them accepting her and she feel like she's being blackballed I mean you even got you even got my man Harvey Williams I mean Harvey uh, on online and in, on his show they're going at each other Steve Harvey, white culture. Yeah, Steve Harvey. You don't see that going on in white culture, man. They don't. They're not berating each other. They're not fussing back and forth with each other. If they got a problem, man, they call each other on the phone or or doing some other stuff like that. But it's like if you make it, then put everybody on, man. You know, if 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 they're worthy of being put on, I'm not asking for a handout. But if I got good mm-hmm. uh, good content and it's and the, the masses need to hear this content, then by all means, man, put me on. You know. Yeah, I understand that too, but I'm I understand Monique in this perspective, man. And I think it's just being cut from a certain cloth. You can't right. always put 
when you, when you have a certain moral value and principle you were raised on, and I think this is just, you know, coming from my upbringing, you don't care necessarily about the money. You care about a person's intent, their integrity, and their right. character. Right? Right. So I don't care what the opportunity presents. I don't care what the money presents. If it jeopardizes my integrity, my morals, my values, and my principles, I got to stand on that before an opportunity or any money circumstance. Right? Right. And if I feel like my, the people who were before me or in my generation looking at me like, be quiet, just accept the role, just get that money and, and don't talk about your integrity, I got to leave you alone because you ain't about what I'm about. Right. And that and that's and that's her stance. And that's her stance. Her stance is I'm not going to to jeopardize what I believe in just to just to put the shuck and jive to make these people happy. You know, yeah. even even you know, he even went on record saying, I didn't even call you. Well, how am I your homegirl and you didn't call me? You didn't reach out to me and say, Man, you know they're doing you wrong because you know why? Because you got on wax and you said this is the money game. Nah, this is not all about money, you know. This is about uh, art, being creative, and, and being although you are creative, you still got integrity. You know what I'm saying? You still got how your parents raised you and, and you got standards to, to live up to. And it yeah. makes no sense for them to sit around and jeopardize that some just to make, make a dollar. Some, yeah, people, please, man. some people lose that in, integrity when, when the money come in. I mean, we've we seen it all before. Um, I, I mean, you can take any dope movie that came out. Once the money started getting involved, um, you know what I'm saying? Different things started happening. I mean, and it, it just takes a certain person that's true, like you saying, uh, be true to the cloth and have that integrity to not let the money take over. But a lot of people can't, uh, you know, they can't not let that money take over. They just sit there and that money becomes everything. And the way Steve was talking, man, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I like Steve Harvey, but when he said that, like a little bit of respect just seeped out of me, man. I was like, damn, dude. Smash ain't a little for a lot of these old niggas, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was talking about that on, on one of my recent episodes with my brother Red Pill, just about how people, like the internet is really like, people really exposing themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You feel me? At, like a, people, at a rapid pace. At a rapid pace. These <laughs> niggas, I'm not, I'm not for the cancel culture necessarily to a degree, but for the most part, when I see people putting their character and their integrity and, and their morals on the line, for acceptance, for validity. Right. You know, like, yo, you ain't cut from where I'm cut from. How can we possibly have a mutual respect where you don't even respect yourself? You don't even respect the culture you come from. You don't right. even respect the, the the people in the industry who are sacrificed, who are working and grinding and trying to maintain their integrity. You one of them gatekeeper niggas who like, no, it's about this bread. It's about that check. F everything mm -hmm. else. F what I stand on and I'm about. And I can't respect no man. Yeah. I can't respect no man who, who settles for that and then has the nerve to call himself a role model or upstanding dude. You ain't no upstanding dude to me when you're talking about a hey, young man. Forget forget what that what your parents taught you. Forget about having integrity and respect for yourself. Go get that check. Go get that right. bag. Right. That is not. And, we, I can't do that, OG. I can't walk <coughs> with you. Thanks for the advice, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we've we've done on our show, man. We've done interviews with a lot of with, a, with with some some people that's in the industry, man. And one thing they said that made a lot of sense to me was that they didn't take a lot of roles. Now they're not like a listers, but they're up and comers. And yeah. they're like, man, I, I've turned down many roles because I don't want to sacrifice my integrity. I don't want to sacrifice 
what I believe in just for the sake of a check. Because once you expose yourself in that manner, then it's no turning back. It's no, no turning, turning back, back from that point. Talk about it. Yeah. So you you got to sit down and, and understand. You know, for me, when I when I do things, man, as an older as an older guy, I you know, can I still can I still expose my parents to this? Can I expose my elders to this? Will they accept me on that level? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it, is it going to compromise what they think of me and, and how how they view me and how I was raised? And, and it makes no sense for someone like Steve Harden to get on there and understand how hard it was for him to get on to now to make it all about money. And that's and that's pretty that's tragic. That's tragic. That's yeah, you have tragic. that you have that bag, but at the end of the day, how long was that bag gonna last you? How long, you know, and I'm not throwing no dirt, but you may right. he may he may not see it, but these guys, these guys, these industry guys talking about his daughters and how they want to do their daughters on wax, you know, so that's what you're giving up when you chasing that bag. You know what I'm saying? You you kind of lose you it may not be affecting you, but in some way it's affecting others that are around you that are exposed to to what you're talking about and what you're trying to accomplish, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now I, I look at it, man, and <laughs> like I said, that that money it changes people. I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, man. I, I learned the lesson early in life, and it, it sounds funny where it came from, but my my lesson came from a WWF, uh, uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. He told us all that everybody got a price, and I've seen so many people sell out for the the, the dollar, man. And for mm. me, it's a it's about for me. It's about looking at yourself in the mirror. I know everybody heard that cliche before, but it, it's true, man. Because if you do, you know when you do something, you do something bad, that just weighs on you. So you know if you're not being true to yourself, yeah, and it's it's weighing on you, and it's going to eventually eat you up inside. You know what I mean? So I'd rather just have that peace of mind and do what I need to do to keep my integrity. And my whole thing too, man, uh, revolving around the whole media game. This is 2019, right? Yep. People can create content off their phones, off their MacBook. People can go grab a refurbished camera and, and, and shoot their own short film, their own documentary. You feel me? Right. So you mean to right. tell me you niggas is out here 20 million up, y'all up here 100 million up, and you out here pandering, talking about some, this about the money game, and oh, we, we need to get Reliance Gate, we need to get with Universal, <laughs> well, these niggas is mutuing everybody to death, these niggas got blackball paperwork on all of y'all, yet you're not giving the game, and you're not giving your money and resources to these people who are on the up and up, who have integrity, right? If you don't have it, at least give the resources in the game out to the people who are on the up and up, who can expose, like, yo, we can do this on our own. We can be independent. We can have our yeah. own network. We can have our but the own, blue uh, but the blueprint is laid out. I mean, you think people like Master P. You think about No Limit. You, you all these people, Lee Daniels. You got uh, Oprah Winfrey. You know, you got Tyler Perry. The blueprint is there, but it seems like they want to hold the bag for themselves, right? You got to go out and get yeah. your bag and earn your bag. But yeah, again, if, if, yeah, the gatekeeper mentality. If I have an opportunity, if I'm a really good creative. And I see that you can do something, and that you can you can bring something to the culture. Then, by all means, I'm trying to help you. By all means, I'm trying to. If I can't help you, I'm gonna at least lead you in a direction to where I can put you on to a position to where right. you can be heard and, and your your creativity can be seen and can can be shown to the masses. Yeah. You know, it's just or, we, or we or have to. Pl- or I can plug you with somebody who can put you. Yeah. On. You feel me? Yep. Because exactly. your craft and what you're doing ain't getting in the way. I'm good. <laughs> oh. 
that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, where, where's the mentality of our people where when we get in these positions, it's like, let me come back to the hood and, and, and give the resources and the time, some seminars, hold up some uh, production uh, companies or production schools and film. You know what I mean? Exactly. Teach these kids how to come up in the game. Because yeah. if, if I'm if I'm on a, uh, the gatekeeping role, and I know that I, I got a certain image sub hole, let me get this money to somebody else on the side, and they can utilize that money and put it back into my communities if I can't forefront it myself because I got a contract over here or I got a you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes what you mean, we got sometimes we got to use other people to get our our, our point across. Exactly. And so that's it, okay, you know. Yeah. But you know, get back to the to these awards. Yeah, I, this is where I, all stem from. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see. I'm glad to see us uh, do good. You know what I'm saying? You think you think about what um, Mahashala Ali, who from Green Book, <laughs> right. who, who who won, they won best movie, but at the end of the day, he didn't win best actor. So it just kind of like it's kind of like a, a, a smack in the face to me, man. How yeah. can you win? best movie but I don't win best actor you know I'm I the get best, best support, support I'm the best help. right right I, I'm the help I'm the help you know? <laughs> but but you're the but you're the main character in the movie you know I so it's kind of like I'm gonna give you a token but we're not gonna give you the whole cake to eat you know it's just but we don't a lot of us don't recognize that and see that it, it's a slap in the face you know but you know there's a place for it you know, yeah, you want to recognize me, great, man. But it, it doesn't hold that. That doesn't validate me. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, it doesn't matter to me. You know, no man can validate me. Only I can validate myself. You know, I, I hold my, my hold my parents, my parents um, beliefs in me in high regard. I hold my wife's and my kids. They validate me. You know that I'm doing right as a man, as a father. You know, mm-hmm. as a husband. You know, that's what validates me. But just the mm-hmm. ordinary, everyday Joe Blow. Nah, you know, even my extended family, y'all don't validate me. Y'all don't, y'all don't pay my bills. I can't turn to y'all and, and ask y'all to, to do for me. So your validation, whether you like me or what, the moves that I'm making, whether you like my moves or not, it really doesn't matter to me, man. Cause it, cause you don't, you know, you don't make a difference in my life to the point where I have to make sure that you're happy because what you're happy with what, what, what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, it's it's smash, man. I, I want you to elaborate, man, on you know, in 2019, is it even worth it to quote unquote sell out anymore? You know, is, is it even <laughs> worth it because because you know what what I want to say, smash is once you sell out, right, and once these white niggas is done with you, right, yeah, can you come back to your community? Can you come back to the culture? Uh, once you sell out, you definitely can't come back to the culture. But like you, like you're saying, 2019, there's no need to sell out, man. You can make your own way. Um, I mean, you said it perfect with all the, you know, you can go get a refurbished camera and shoot your own thing. It's it's just too too easy for you to go out there and do whatever it is you want to do now. Like the only excuse that you can make is you just being lazy because it's it's out there. You know what I'm saying? You can get a job, get a little mm-hmm. money get a little money up to do that i mean like i was saying like d was talking about validation and i think we as a black people just need to get to the point where we start doing our own stuff because everything we do 
is taken anyway because we do it good and everybody like it and then they take we it. We do it great. <laughs> if you culture vultures. But here's an here's an example back in the old days. I'm gonna give y'all an example of how Yeah, give me some game, my man. How we took something and made it um made it for us and, and it turned out to be one of the most successful things. Back in the day, they first had American bandstand on TV, right? Right. And they were they were playing all the, the, the white music and all that stuff. So what did we do a couple of years later, about you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, we came out with Soul Train. Soul Train was for us. And then right. every, everybody else was fighting to get on Soul Train because Iconic. We, we made it popular and they were like, if if I get on Soul Train, I've made it. Like we didn't need them anymore. So our our people in the past knew what they were doing. And for somewhere along the line to now, it's falling off. And we we using so many people to validate us. And like D was saying, you don't need that validation as a man or a person. You just need to concentrate on yourself, man. And if we can come together and just big each other up, man, like instead of that crab in the barrel mentality, pulling each other down, we'd be all right. And then too, yep. Mass, what I want to elaborate on, what you just said, I think a lot of people, um, I, I don't know your age demographic, man. What's your age demographic? Uh, we we generation X, I'm, man. We in our, man, I'm forty one, man. Forty one, bro. Yeah, forty. Yeah, I'm tw- I'm twenty six. You know, my parents happened, but you know, it's like, like you just said, what we were talking about earlier. It's like niggas just sold the bad. You know, nobody upheld nobody upheld what we from from the soul trains. You know, from remember all the black prominent TV shows back in the day? Oh, yeah. That was, hey, yeah. You meant something. You had an upstanding image. You were a businessman. Even in the 90s, w- when the culture shifted and we had to rep our own in another way again from, from the street narrative. You know what I mean? We had Martin, the, uh, the D.L. Hughley show. You had uh, in, uh, in Living Color, Living Single. Yep. You feel me? We, we had cultural imprints uh uh, for ourselves, you know what I'm saying, and it seems right. we just lost our identity chasing these big networks instead of just putting our resources and our money together to stay in our lanes and accept who we are and our culture and our identity within the culture. You know, yeah, because you, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head, man. Because it's, it's like they're dictating to what we're gonna, what we're gonna expose, what we get exposed to. Right, so we're we're talking about all this black cinema and all these black films that we were, you know, we were coming up. By this point in time, we should we should have more than Oprah Winfrey Network. We should have more than just Tyler Perry Production Company. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be multitudes of this. You got Kevin Hart that's doing the heartbeat production, yeah, LOL stuff like that. Too, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but so we should be way ahead of on that aspect. We should be in a position where. We just we just should have to have to go there for anything, you know. But the, you you see you see how TV is like it's all about what's taking over. Ratchet TV has taken over. Reality TV has taken yeah. over. There's nothing. There's no. There's no really positive vibe for us to to look at, man. We we got our we got our 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 culture, what we liked and what we looked at as kids from the Cosby Show and from you know. The Steve and Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey show, these different type of shows. Mm-hmm. And you got to see us in a positive image. So now with these kids, man, they don't see us. A lot of TV don't show us in positive in, in, in social media, mm-hmm. in music, 
and in videos and cinema, it's all a negative narrative. And it's exposing these kids to a point where they don't realize that, hey, man, there is there we do have a positive culture. It's not all about right. shucking the job. And, you know, we can be doctors. We can be lawyers. We can be politicians. We can do all these different things that we set our mind out to do. But that was that was a huge influence on me as a kid, man, that I could see somebody like, again, like Master P, that he can own his own. I didn't know we can own our own until I seen a black man do it. You know, we, we always thought it was a white man's world until you saw a black man break that stereotype and break that, that ceiling and show that, hey, we can do these things on our own. So even like what we're doing, we are entrepreneurs. We got our podcast, we're doing our things. We, we're supporting and giving back to the, to the culture in a positive manner. You know, it's not just um, shucking and jiving. It's not talking about the ratchetness because there's enough there's enough outlets out there for More than what enough. we're doing is yeah, yeah man we, we're we're given a chance to to show the positivity of us and of the culture and I, and I would think I would hate to have to sell out to 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 get to a, a position to where yeah I want do I want to make bread from this sure I have a passion for this but I'm not gonna sell my soul just to to be able to say I make a few dollars to support my family hey I just go get a second job to do that yeah and, and, and- uh, individually, I want to talk to you guys, Smash. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start with you first. Growing up in Atlanta, you know, um, a predominantly black city, uh, black entrepreneurship, and things of that nature, man. When you were coming up in Atlanta, what, 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 what were you around? What fabric were you seeing in, in your community? Even though, um, you know, as far as uh, prominent figures, prominent businessmen, and things of that nature, you know, what were you surrounded with, or you saw that mo- that motivated you? To want to be something to become something coming out of Atlanta, Georgia. Man, so I mean, I I gotta just tell you the truth. When I when I was coming up, man, like KKK was prominent in in, in Georgia, man. It was a, a big, what? Yeah, it was a big presence. You know, we used to get um, letters on our cars like thank, "Thank you, niggas, for killing each other" and stuff like that, like literally. But the, the positive that I saw, man, I saw a bunch of guys who, you know, really at the time who really didn't have anything, like their parents didn't have anything, but these, a lot of these guys were talented, man. Like they were rapping before rapping was really even popular. You know what I mean? Like they, they were doing it because they could, they were playing, they were athletes that today would put some athletes to shame as, you know, pros um, and trying to see them dudes, they're, they're struggling doing what they can get out there and you know saying make a name for themselves and you had the street dudes who were out there hustling and they they took the time and said hey man this ain't the life for you I need you to go do something and come back to the hood and show them how we do it positive you know what I mean so for me it was like the people in the hood that I was around that I grew up with I saw their struggles and I had my struggles but we all we all saw greatness in each other and we all kind of pushed each other in our own little way. Now, they, you're always going to have your bad apple in the back, so you can't do nothing about that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just us pushing each other, man. And and, and I want to talk to you too, man, you know, coming up in Louisiana and, and that rich culture, you know, what did you see as far as entrepreneurship and, and businessmen and women and, and that, that being ingrained in you to want to become something and, uh, and influence others and inspire others as well. Talk about your journey coming up, man. Well, I, for me, it was one thing about Louisiana, about New Orleans in particular. It's it's the the black community is condensed, 
and the white community was outside of that. Right. You know, so, you know, I always tell a story that I didn't realize I was poor until I got to college because everybody was poor and we just thought that was normal. Okay. You know, so you had to, you had to actually, it's, it's such a violent place that you had to have that, that core group of people around you to actually, you know, understand that that was wrong. You know what I'm saying? So you had to really, first off, you had to understand right from wrong to even get to the point to where, to figure out what you want to do. Now, once you realize what was right from wrong, then you had that that group of people like, like Smash is saying that supported you and birds of a feather flock together. So, you know, I had people like my my uncle, my uncle Eddie, he, had, he owned his own business for as long as I've known he's owned his own business. Right. And um, th- those type of things, I saw those type of things. I watched my, my dad and my mom work, work, and support us. So that was really our, that was really my mentor. I didn't really have anybody outside of that, of the, of that I didn't know to really, to tell me, you know, right from wrong or what was, uh, what was it, what would it meant to be, to be black? It was just more of, you just saw what was going on and you just, you just followed their suit. <laughs> now you didn't really, I didn't really get to the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship type of um, um, mentality until I got older, you know, and I've seen, see my cousins and, and they're, they're doing their own entrepreneurial thing. And then, then you realize, hey, I can own my own. I can do my own thing and not just have to depend on a check to check. Right. So, but you know, it, it was more of, you know, New Orleans is a, a more of a service industry type of uh, environment. So you, you either went work for the hotels or you, you know, you got to music or you got to all these different things that makes the culture, New Orleans culture, what it is. Mm. But that you didn't realize, I didn't realize what what other industries uh, there were until I moved to Houston and realized, you know, I can be a doctor, I can be a lawyer, I can be a politician, I can be whatever I want to be right. until I got here. And then once I got here, I realized, you know, there was so much, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I would never... Uh, I, I, I always, I will always support us to the point of, to to a fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if I see, if if I see a black restaurant versus a white restaurant, I, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and toss my money to the brother. Now I'm gonna criticize you and ridicule you the same way. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Right. But I'm gonna support you nonetheless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. We, we, I think, I think that's a, um, that's a concept that we often. Uh, don't want to accept this constructive criticism. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing when we give a bad review or a bad slur or a comment. However, when we're trying to build infrastructure and build business and build quality within our community as far as our industries or service, I'm going to critique you, you know, only to make you better because I'm investing my money, my time, uh, I'm bringing my family to you, I'm bringing my peers to your business, etc. So, Yes, I have to constructively constructively criticize you so that we can get better. You know, so you, so right. you know how to treat the customer and um, provide perspective of an experience to you so that we can enjoy the atmosphere, so that we can enjoy better quality of food and where it's coming from. I mean, right. so that we can experience genuine people who work in these shops or these restaurants, you know, that these guys aren't uh, rude or disrespectful. You know, we want them to be a part of the community, but in, in a in a good way. Represent us in a good way. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's funny, man. We just did an episode. Smash and I did an episode on um, Killer Mike. 
about his show. Yeah, Trigger on Warning was called kill, kill, uh, kill, was innovative. Trigger, yeah, exactly. But what what was what was interesting about that was it tells us how far we are as a people. In the very first episode, well, he couldn't find anything black. Now you're talking about Atlanta is, is probably the most condensed dense black where most of us are, right? In the yes, south. Sir. Yep. And you, you mean we can't find, he can't find a restaurant, he can't find a transportation company, he can't find um, anything that's black-owned to support that's him. That's a hell of a reality. He was trying to do everything black. <laughs> and and it, it, it's a, it's, it makes you, it took me aback, man. You think about it, I didn't, I, you know, you always, you always know that the, you always know that white folks own majority of what, what's out here. But you never realize how much that how much they have a monopoly on all business of everything across the especially board, especially distribution. So it, it kind of, yeah. yeah, man, and it's kind of like transportation. You talking about they're one of the biggest countries. I mean, one of the biggest cities in America, and there's only one black transportation company in all of Atlanta. That's that's phenomenal. That's, bro. That, that, that that's, makes me think like that's crazy, ain't it? When you think about it, in where that's crazy. Where is our dollar going? Where are we spending our money, people? You know, so we're not because they tell us that we're not supporting each other with that aspect. Yeah. But we see that we can with Black Panther, with Black Panther and things like that. When we want to come together, we can. But it's just um, it's amazing to me that man we don't we don't support each other in that in that aspect, man. When it comes to owning our own, I think it's I don't know if it's because you're not owning your own uh-huh. that you hate to support me, or is it just because you just don't know better? You know, I don't. I, I don't know what you guys think. I, I'm gonna give. A, go ahead, Smash. Before I elaborate, man. Go. Go ahead, Smash. I think it's more because uh, we we probably don't know better, man, and we don't have the unity like most. Like, um, it's it's funny because uh, me and my wife was just watching uh, something on TV, and oh, that's beautiful, man. You married? That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. And uh, they had a white dude go in the liquor store, and the black dude had, was the owner of the liquor store, and she was like, "That ain't true." Because in, in all black neighborhoods, no black owner owns a liquor store. You know what I mean? The foreigners always own those stores. So I was like, that's a good point. And but um, it goes back because, you know, if you if you look at those Asian families who have those convenience stores, this is how they come up. One person has the store, but they may have 10 to 15 people living in the house together. And they help the, the next person up. They help them uh, save their money and get their money so they can get a store and help them move out. And then it's the next person up. All the money goes to the next person to help get them along. Everybody has that uh, community. You see the, the white people, they, they have a store. They had their kids working in there at an early age. But we don't we don't have that unity to come together. And you, know, you might see it in one black family that has that type of unity most of the time. Other than that, we all go straight, man, and that's where it starts on us trying to have that unity for each other. That's right, and you know, um, like I said, I'm 26, but seeing my dad as a brick mason and my grandfather as well, my uncle too, um, you know, what I notice about their crafts, you know, outside of, you know, doing their nine to five jobs, you can dictate your own route on the side, Yep. right? And what I've noticed is that, man, you know, our people, and my dad's experienced this, and I think my grandfather to a smaller degree. People see us, and they don't. Va- our own people don't value our craftsmanship. You know, right? I bet, you know, like I told my dad, I said, you know, 
if, if some people are robbing you or don't want to pay you on time, I bet them same niggas, they're not going to do a white construction company like that. They're not going to appreciate them. Well, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I think one of the things, I mean, if you think about, if you think about black entrepreneurship, if you just think about, think about your community, you can go to Smash community, you can go to my community, you can go to your community. There's one, there's, there's two constant businesses that you're going to always see that's black owned. One is going to be the church, constant. Always going to be a black oh, we, church. Oh, uh, man, I can't wait. Two, I cannot wait gonna, to go in with that. Go ahead, though, man. It's, 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 and it's always, and it's, and it's always a black barbershop, right? Those are two constants that, that are always in the fabric of our community. Yeah, beauty, fashion, you know, so and church. Yeah. Beauty, fashion, exactly, bro. That's always going to be there. But but beyond that, there is no, there is nothing else for us to sustain ourselves. There's nothing else tangible. So, well, now when you say tangible, I don't think that we we haven't, we don't have the resources. When we playing, we playing this game from behind. First of all, right? Yeah. You, you look at you look at these foreigners that come into America. They come in, they come into America with. With 800 credit score, 850 credit scores, first of all, right? They get all these small business loans. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they don't even talk about them. that behind the scenes. Just talk about that. Yeah. Right. They don't, you know, they'll, they'll balloon themselves. They'll they'll put them in, set them up for success. But for us, you think about, we don't get that as, you know, we come out and, and we're, we're, we're starting this race from behind. And that part, that plays heavily, heavy on, on how we, how we're going to succeed because we're so busy as a people trying to make it that we're 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 not really focused on on actually expounding our 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 base of ownership and entrepreneurship mm. to the point where you know yeah I work just think about your town man you from Detroit man Motor City yes sir right once Motor Man, it's crazy, dude. 
Can't get on, man. Oh, I think it dropped, didn't it? Yeah, yep, yep. Ooh. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it saved everything, though. Don't, don't get it twisted. Everything saved. Oh, okay. Can you edit on Anchor? Yeah, yeah, you can edit, split the audio up, all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so cool. Say, so say if something like that did happen, I can just pick up where I left off with the conversation and then go ahead and, and edit it back and, and put everything together. So I got that down pat. You know, um, okay, yeah, you go ahead and send it. To I gotta get, let me get smashed. Yeah, I'm gonna send it to you. I, you know, I'm sitting here talking. I forgot I gotta send it to him. Yeah, it's all good, man. Yeah, but we need this kind of stuff, bro. We need to have these conversations about a young brothers, man, that they they don't see the 
the need for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, we gotta have a comfortable conversations through every generation in our community. You know? Yeah. And I personally think, man, that's the best way to bridge the gap is bringing uh, every knowledgeable aspect from each generation into a collective and see where we can progress forward going with that, you know? Exactly, bro. Exactly. That's why I, that's I, mean, you why I think... respect y'all cats, man. I respect my dad and them generation, my grandfather, and things of that nature because they know something I don't. And when it comes to the youth, sometimes we can be misunderstood. Y'all don't understand what we go through or what's going on in our world. And we got to bring that to you guys and merge the wisdom. You know? Yeah, exactly. You can't the thing about it is you can't hold on to that wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't you can't al- you can't allow us like I wanna sit down with my father before he passed and he left me some good things that I want to instill into my kids. You know, if we don't reach out and, and ask, we won't know because a lot of people just not tell it. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. in, in order for us to actually continue this path forward then it's gonna die. You know, that 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 spirit or, or our culture is gonna die. You think about it, man. We only been free, quote unquote free, for 54 years, man. Right? I'm 40. Yeah. I'm 40, I'm 43 years old right now, right? Yes, so sir. 14, you know, 11 years of 11 years of my life, we were still in the position of of some type of segregation. Oh, yeah. Oppression, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a long way to go, man. It's, it's, we're looking at so hard in their life to just make sure that we can we can propel ourselves to something better, right? Now I'm to the point now I'm living uh, I'm living better than my parents lived, right? And I want and that's the me trying to break those chains and break that 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 stigma of of this poverty of, of black folk living in a poverty situation. So yeah, not only in poverty situations, but in poverty mindsets too. Mindset too. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. And then you want, and I always say, I want to see my kids. I would tell my kids, I want to see you do better than me. I want to see you do. If, if, if I die today and I finish with, with, with 1.2 million in the bank, when you perish, I want you to leave your kids, you know, 3.5. You know, so we should right. got to do better all the way across the board until we get to that point of um, where we don't have to be berating each other and, and out here um, hustling and 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 doing dastardly deeds to be able to get to where we want to get as a people, man. But it's just a matter of are we going to sit down as a people to collectively and really build that plan and really take stance with one another and really yeah. hold each other accountable for bettering us and, and that's the big thing man but it's just it's just it's, it's hard man it's hard you know to look crazy? at it my, my grandfather when right? i was talking to him a couple of days ago um about just him coming up in jim crow eras and and uh the civil rights and eras and things of that nature and due to their sacrifices and things of that that nature um our generation is kind of in a, a mix of being as liberated as we want it, as we want to be. We can have ownership. We can go and have as many opportunities as we want if we're not lazy and we dedicated to it. But right. what, what he had to, you know, remind me was like, yo, yeah, we could have our own. Yeah, we had Black Wall Street. Yes, we had the Black Bottom here in Detroit, Black-owned businesses. However, um, it wasn't necessarily a mission of integration. It was just a mission of you know, you're going to respect me as a human being. 
You right. dig? So yeah, I can eat at my own restaurant. Yes, I can support my own people. But you're not about to sit up here and tell me I'm a boy and I'm not a man and I'm not worthy to sit at this table or eat at this restaurant. You know, you're not about to dictate a livelihood and, and, and my kids and my grandkids' livelihoods to come. You know, so I had to kind of get that right. narrative refreshed. Like, yeah, we we always but, wanted to have our own and support our own, but at the same time, the mission wasn't necessarily integration. The mission was was about respect. But it was perspective. But it was but it was also done out of necessity, right? Right. We yeah, we right. we had to have our own back then because they weren't allowing us to have it. So within our communities, we had to have that. But now that we've integrated, that uh-huh. once we've integrated, then they have mushroomed and ballooned industries around us to the point where we didn't need each other anymore. You know what I'm saying? It was accessible mm. to go to McDonald's. It was accessible to go to Burger King. Yeah. That's all these white-owned companies. It's accessible to go to Walmart now, but all these are white-owned companies. But before integration, we were segregated, so we had to rely on each other. That has yeah. been lost, right? And it's not, you know, it was like a point where, like, whoo, we finally made it. <laughs> but they're sitting at the corporate at the corporate table saying, ha, best thing that ever happened. Because now they lost, they lost focus on being independent now. They're not yep. independent anymore. We're relying on, they have to rely on us because we own industry at this point. You yep. know, so until, and everybody say, you always hear people say, education is the key education is the key partially it's true but partially what we're doing right now we're educating right now this is a form of education right right you don't get a degree but you get you definitely get some type of knowledge out of it some type of education out of and, it to and, understand and, uh to, to further smash just to catch you up you know we're talking about uh building the infrastructure and how yes we could be dependent on our own and, and sufficient on our own however uh we have to respect ourselves enough that nobody is going to disrespect us. Nobody is going to culture vulture or uh, dehumanize who we are as a people when it comes to having rights and 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 you know what I mean. We, yeah. we can sit at these tables. We can organize um, with our with our own. However, we're not going to let everybody else outside of us dictate how we move and how we lead. You know. Yeah. So, Smash, can you elaborate yeah. on? the effects you think integration have on our culture to this day? You know, mm, That's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, I think integration, I don't know, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of 50-50 for me. It's like, it was a good thing, of course, because everybody should be, okay. you know, treated equal, but at the same time, I think it allowed us a sense of relax. Like, we got lax where we were like, oh, we're we're part of the team now, but in reality. Yeah, everything got convenient. Yeah, but in reality, you know? we, we're not part of the team. Like, we, we might be the water boy, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, we're not out there, you know, playing the whole game. So I think it's a it's a good, it was a good thing, but at the same time, we got like, convenient. But I do have a quick question for you real fast, man. Uh, okay. Did, you were saying your dad and your, and your grandfather was a brick mason. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did, did they pass it down to you? Um, no, I, I actually, uh, I did side jobs with them here or there, you know, but, um, I didn't, I didn't take an interest in the craft to be that dedicated to it. And what I want to elaborate further on that is my dad and my grandfather is the first men in my life or people in my life 
I seen love what they do, mm. right? And and coming up and me being the receptive uh, young dude that I am, and and knowing better, it gave me a sense of you know he has pride in his work. He's dedicated to his work. And what do I look like coming up? Yes, I, I'm learning the skill, and I, I want to uh, get into the trade game eventually uh, as a young man right now, just because I want to have different uh, skills. Right. However. To, to be fully dedicated to that, knowing my heart wouldn't be into it, knowing my attention wouldn't really be into it. And my father kind of recognized that early, knowing that, you know, that's a hard job yeah. on your body. You know, so I, I think that uh, with us moving in, in different you know, suburban area, going to better schools and stuff like that, I think he, I think my parents, period, just said, you know what, we can, we can work hard at what we're doing, but we want to set you guys up to find your own passions, man, to find your own lane, find what you really love right. or what you're dedicated to. And he never right. forced it on me. They never pushed it on me. He might have put it in my ear when I'm switching jobs. Like, yes, yeah, son, you know, you get a little bit older, you know, you, you might want to pick that child <laughs> or be an electrician or get into plumbing. Right. You know, but it's never forced. Right. You know, but he loved his craft. He dedicated to his craft. He took his yeah. time. He, like, man, my but but my one dad, thing, my but one thing in so I, out of respect, I didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, one thing it did do for us, I man. Knew it, that it, I it, wouldn't have the same passion and fire I would that that they would when it came exactly. to that craft. Right. <laughs> That's what exactly I was getting ready to say. One thing it did do for us, man. It did give us, we, you know, we necessarily down. Like I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. My parents all told me from day one they knew the, the heaviest thing I wanted to pick up was a pen. Right. They just knew I wasn't gonna do any any yeah. manual work, and. So they kind of nurtured me into other things that didn't continue, that didn't take manual labor, right? But one thing that I did take from them is the work ethic, Definitely. the drive to want to own, to do, want yes, to have sir. my own, and that's what they really wanted to see. They wanted to see us take their passion to whether you're sick, whether no matter what it is, you're gonna get out there and go get it, and that's what we took from it, you know. But you know, from for for us. It just they were proud of us to see us not having to rely on one them and not have to rely on yeah. anybody else to to ask for loans or beg and borrow that we could get out here and mm-hmm. sustain ourselves whether we take their trade or not. My dad was a mechanical engineer. I didn't want to go wow. into engineering. My mom was a school teacher. I didn't want to be a school mm-hmm. teacher, right? I- They made sure that I, you know, I was always around people like my uncle that were in yep. business and, and people that were in business so that I can see what that looks like, see, see, you know, what it takes, you know. So when I went to college, right. I went major in business, you know, so that's what they saw. But they wanted to make sure that the constant meeting across the board was the work ethic, the tenacity to get the job done, you know what I'm saying, the quality work. And that, that's what yeah. we got out of it in, in the long run. Right. And and what it is, is, you know, um, even though uh, my parents necessarily didn't really like zero in and focus in on um, what, what, what our direction or our lanes or our passions may be, they were still supportive knowing that we were good kids and, and had a good idea of we can work towards whatever we want to be successful at it. They kind of gave us the breathing room to do so. Right, right. You know, to figure us out and, and figure out, okay, you might not want to do this. Well, try that. See if it works. It was never a right. pressure of do this or do that, become this or become that. 
okay. you know, but at the same time, I think in our communities, uh, we do need to have some kind of structure when it comes to the direction we give our kids and accomplishing and doing better, you know, than, than, than their predecessors, being the parents, grandparents, or their peers in their community. It has to be some kind of guideline as to what you want to do. And here are the steps we're going to take as parents or grandparents or the village, um, uh, local entrepreneurs, et cetera. We have to encourage kids that it's okay to have guidance and direction towards different things. However, at least be solid on one thing so that when you do sprout, you at least have one thing to fall back on that'll sustain uh, the other avenues that you're pursuing. Exactly. Yep, exactly. You know? And um, speaking just, of, of, just be of relationships, I, I want to dwell into the relationship aspect. When you guys were coming up, um, what were the relationship dynamics? Like, you know, did you see the two-parent households crumbling uh, coming up in your era uh, from a kid to, to your adulthood up until now? Like, what do, you, what do you see as far as um, what defines a man or a woman from your time to now? Mm. Smash, I'm going to start with you first. <laughs> uh, <well. laughs> Mr. Married Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm married, man. But uh, I grew up in a um, a single parent household, so I just grew up with my mom and my sister. So I didn't really see the um, the father mother type structure in my household. I saw it from friends, and I always, you know, were admired and them from afar that they had their mom and dad that they could, uh, you know, what I'm saying fall back to when I just had my my mom. But as far as the structure, I think my structure of what the roles are, if that's what you want to say, um, comes from my mom bringing me up. Like, my mom raised me. She was at, I mean, I was six, seven years old, and she told me, you're the man of the house. And she would say you would do, I had to do things like take out the trash, uh, mow the grass. Like, I did everything outside the house, so she would say. And she would do everything. Her and my sister would do things inside the house, so growing up she she taught me that but then at the same time she taught me like you need to know how to cook you need to know how to wash your clothes how to be self-sufficient right yeah because she said you may you may not marry a woman that know how to do that or you don't want to depend on that woman to do all that stuff for you because then you'll be handicapped so i'm a i'm a firm believer in my relationship with my wife that um we split 50 50 like there's there's certain roles like i need to know when to be a listener and comforter to her but she gotta also know when to let like me be a man like let me go and do something for you like you know what I'm saying like let me be needed yeah. sometimes because sometimes women are so independent that they forget yeah, that. independent yeah, yeah. Just soldier type shit. <laughs> exactly like <laughs> I get that you're independent and I, and I love that about you but give, give me a, t- a chance to do something for you be a man because I want the same for me like I know I can do this but I want you to treat me like a man uh, when the time is needed, you know what I'm saying. So that's how yeah. I, you know, oh. and um, I, I would oh, think no, that, no. like my era, doesn't see the perspective of how important balance is, right? Right. People argue about you know who can change a tire or who can cook and clean, but but the, the but the main thing is you know when when a man is quote unquote paying all the bills or things of that nature. If, if his woman is his woman is also in need of support when raising the kids yep. you know his woman is also in need of support when it comes to nurturing the household and making sure the household is together that the communication variables 
are uh, are intact. You know what I'm saying? And and the woman also has to know that, like you say, let, you know, you have to be have to be a man's man. Yeah. You feel me? You can't do everything a, a man can do. You you there's certain energy from a feminine perspective that you have, and you got a masculine energy for a reason. Right. You right. feel me? And if you, right. I find it that for so long we have generations of broken homes that we're we're misunderstanding what it takes to balance out not only each other's lives but the household. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Everybody, yeah. everybody got to pay bills. Everybody got to cook and clean. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> how do we balance that though, baby? How, how do we? How you? You know, when, when money get tight, how do we save? You know, do you got to pick up an extra shift or do I got to get an extra part-time job? You feel me? Right. When, when your knees and your back hurting or you don't feel like it because you just help the kids with the homework, let me go ahead and get dinner started and let me mop this floor. Right. You feel me? Yeah. You know, so so talk about the relationship dynamics um, from, from like you said, a single-parent household mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this influence of a two-parent household make men and women you know, want to be committed to a two-parent household or stay in a degenerate cycle of being single parents. You know, mm-hmm. elaborate on that, fellas. I'll let Doug um, talk about that one because he grew up in a, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I I grew up in with a two-parent household and uh, it, I was always taught like, it, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of different from my, from me because my mom was a disciplinarian in my house, right? Wow. My dad, mom my dad was, yeah, mom, <laughs> you were scared of mom, bro. I don't want to say you were scared of her, but you respected her to the utmost. Yeah. And my dad was more of the laid back. He was out there hustling, bustling, getting the job done, right. right? But when we came, when we came together as a family, we did everything together collectively. There was there was no gender lines, right? You clean, you wash dishes. Even the girls got out and cut the grass. Well, they didn't cut it as much. But they get outside and cut the grass, take the trash out. So it was, it was, it was about teaching us to be responsible and how to be independent. Not only that for the girls to not not to be able to depend on a man, but also for 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 us as men to not depend on a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was you got to see both aspects. But I, you know, growing up, I had friends that was in single family homes, and I've seen that I've come to realize that it's an individual thing, right? Your mindset is what's going to take you to where you want to go. It doesn't matter. I don't care how much, how much rearing you get, how much positivity you see. If you're going to be a thug, you're going to be a thug, right? Mm. If you're going to be successful, you're going to be successful. It's all on you. I've seen them. It's all on that individual. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you being exposed to positivity then you know you have a better chance of of making it. Yeah. But it's really that person that really wants to happen, man. Because I've seen, I have friends, man. Rest in peace, my friend that passed away. That they come from some really, some really well-off families, and they just decided because New Orleans is is, uh, is is heavily, it's a violent city that they just went that way. You know what I'm saying? And you sitting down, you sitting back, like, man, why did he do that? But it's just what they wanted to do, you know, but it was good to see, like, now my kids are being raised in a two-parent home. Smash kids are being raised in a two-parent home, you know, because that's something that I wanted to have for my kids. I I wanted to make sure that my my boys see 
what it means to love a woman. Yep. You know, what it means to, to, to not just, you know, I put my wife on a pedestal, but at the, at the end of the day, we work together as, as one. Yeah, man, there you just no wanted body. to provide a, a structure. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I think that's right. what our kids need examples of. You know, whether you come from exactly. single parent or two parent, there has to be some kind of structure somewhere. You might get it from grandma and granddaddy, right. auntie and uncle. You know, you might get it from an elderly cousin or something like that. Kids need, yep. if they don't have the immediate environment for it, we need to have a strong community base um, or, or, or a strong family uh, base where they have other avenues of influence. You feel yep. me? Yeah, yep. exactly. You, you you hit it right on the head. Because I remember, I remember as a kid, man, if my mom was like, I didn't like to, I didn't like to comb my hair as a kid, right? I hated getting my hair combed. <laughs> but you know what? My mom couldn't. I fight my mom two nail. I fight my dad two nail. But then she'll be like, um, "Go to your grandparents' house." My grandfather come out with that strap, and it's just something with something about him made me straighten up. I want to comb my hair. Okay, grandpa, I'm gonna comb my hair. You know, so you you had that foundation of like you saying, there's something in that in that community that will get you to that can be able to 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 get you to know right from wrong and do what you need to do. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times it comes from us. It comes from coaches. It comes from teachers because we culture. all, but you predominantly it take a village. It, my and baby. We have, yep. yeah, man. It takes everybody around us to make this thing work. But I think part of that is missing in our modern culture that there is no, there is no, no, no real sound community. Because, right, to be honest with you, I come home. I live in a subdivision. I don't really know my neighbors to the left of me. I don't really know my neighbors to the right of me. Right. Right. So. So when my I remember when I was growing up as a kid, if I did wrong at school, the walk home was like dead road, dead man walking. Uh huh. You got in trouble today. How did she know I got in trouble today? Yep. That's because they communicated with each other. They talked to each other. They know when you see him run around, you don't see him in school. Make sure you call me, girl, and let me know he ain't in yeah. school. You know, I grew and up I, on the latter end of that era, man. Oh my God, I miss it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so God, I miss that shit, man. Because I'm seeing so many of these young niggas, man, and these young women. Needing guidance, they need some. They need some down and calm them down. You feel yeah. Me? Since and when? Yeah. Let me. I want to. I want to give y'all the perspective, right? And this is where it gets confusing for me as a youngin, and I be losing respect for these old niggas, right? Because ain't no way. I don't care how much money a twenty-three or twenty-four year old get. He can be a millionaire, hundreds of thousands, whatever. You're not about to sit up here and tell an elderly, you know, that their that their wisdom isn't to be appreciated, that their wisdom isn't to be uh, respected. Nigga, who was you? You ain't even <laughs> lived yet. You, y'all niggas right. out here dying off pills and lean. <laughs> what are you talking about? Y'all niggas out here killing each other left and right over over women. You know, y'all y'all yeah. gonna be killing each other over fake hood beeps, over streets and crap. What are you talking about? Yeah, you feel yeah, me? What, what, that, what cloth but... did you cut from that you think you get into a bag that that negates you from respecting wisdom? Yeah, that lets me know yeah. somewhere down the line, you know, so one of these OGs got it messed up. You feel me? Yeah. And that, Ain't that nobody comes, getting chin checked. Ain't know. nobody getting their throat chopped. Ain't nobody oh, getting put that, down. There you, you, <laughs> you hit it right on the yeah. head, right there. You cannot. There's no. There's no. There's no butt whippers getting get handed out, bro. Yeah, Nobody's you, getting their ass whipped anymore. Nigga, these young niggas talking about, oh, you, I'm getting more money. You, you, you think you can? What that mean? As soon as they take right. that bag from you, or the right nigga step to you, now you getting robbed and getting licks hit on you. Now you want to go to the OG. Now you want to make a phone call. No, I stay in your lane. 
right? Because you didn't want to <laughs> listen in the first place because you think you're getting right. something or you think you got an opportunity and that puts you above, you know, the people who came before you who allowed these opportunities. Who you think you are? Yeah. Right. You feel me? No, I see. And that's just a little rant. I had to get out of my system, man, because these, these young dudes, <laughs> especially in my age demographic, got life messed up. You 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 hundred percent right on that one, bro. You know what I'm saying, yeah, right. I mean, this shit is an epidemic. This is a crisis. I call it the I call it a nine one one. What white club say? Someone please call nine one one. You feel me? It's an epidemic of this crap, man. I don't know if these older niggas is getting soft, or these or these young dudes is too tough for me. Nah, it's... you dig? I don't know what it is, but it needs to be a balance. It needs to be. Uh, a universal restore restoration of checking these niggas. You know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't dare go to go anywhere and talk to an elder any kind of way, regardless of my scholarship or my business acumen. You respect these people. Yeah, right. You feel me? Because your parents will always tell you, I don't care how big you get, I'm a still, I can still bust your behind. You know? Man, and, what, and that man, I wish I would talk to my granddad any kind of way, or my dad any kind of way. <laughs> you crazy? But that's what I think. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, my perspective is. I come from a family where when I leave my house and I go to my school, I got to treat the hall monitor like my aunt. I got to treat my school teacher like my grandmother or my mother. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, right. Because those are the symbols that I come from. When you when you come from a respectful household, no matter how dysfunctional, because we know black families is dysfunctional, <laughs> right? Right. It's still a respectful, it's still a respect guideline that you went by because you're representing your people. It's true. You're not about to yep. get out here and act a fool, and then when I come to the, come to the principal's office, they expect the mama to act a fool. No, nah, we finna tighten you up. <laughs> I remember niggas used to get whoopings in front of the classroom. Yeah, that's what that is child abuse now. Yeah, yeah. You did. Trust me, I got many of mine. Come on, man. And you better tighten to, up. You, you better tighten up that uniform and them tears before lunch. Comes. Yeah, <laughs> bro. I, I went to Catholic school from. Element oh, from kindergarten all the way up to about seventh grade, and that was I remember many times getting in front of the classroom, man, and, and getting my butt bust, you know, by the teacher, too, right? Yeah, by the teacher, by the principal, mm-hmm. by the nuns. You, you got it. Come on, man. You know, my gym you, teacher, man. You... I remember one time, you know, I was kind of a little wild child, and uh, Mr. Robinson, man, raised <laughs> my, my dad and them, he know, my grandparents and them, you know, we all came up in the same neighborhood, went to the same schools. And man, I threw that ball, man, and threw one of them little dodge balls and knocked some stuff everywhere. He popped me with the paddle, and I'm thinking <laughs> that's it. So about 15 minutes later, we sitting down, you know, doing what we doing. I see my auntie come in, right? So they're like, "Your mom is that Thomas? Ain't that your um?" I said, "Nah, that that can't be her." <laughs> <laughs> right? That can't. Hey, hey, I'm like, How did she get here so her. fast? <laughs> <laughs> she took me in that back with that paddle, man. Tightened me up, man. The whole class hear me screaming. I'm, I'm coming out crying. She to fix my collar, gave me lunch money and a kiss, and said, "You have a good day. I'll see you when you get home." And you know, when you get home, right. you get in trouble again. Again, yeah, yeah. You feel me? So, and and that and that and that's part of what we miss. I miss man, that in man. The culture that we don't we don't it have feels that, that community aspect of of when you do wrong, everybody's gonna discipline you. Everybody's gonna point out your mistakes and your wrongdoings. Yeah. You know. And I, I think a lot of it is these kids are overly exposed to too much. Yeah, stuff, man. Talk, yeah, over, man, we got a lot to talk too about. Too much man. early age, <laughs> man. Yeah, and they got access to it too. So we, yeah, yeah, they got access. Yeah, too, too much. And access. they got access to too it. You can't, you damn, can't even avoid it now. 
Nah, you can't. From the tablets to the cell phone to the, you, you dig? Yep. It's yep. crazy, man. Yep. It's and crazy. And, and a lot of these kids are being raised through social media. A lot of these kids are, are understanding how to treat a woman and how to, 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 to go about life through social media. And that's just somebody fronting and stunting yep. on social media. They don't know the difference, man. Kids are, kids are a clean slate. And they're gonna become a, a what you what you put in front of them and what they learn. Yeah. And by them being over, you know, that's why we have anxiety is high, depression yeah, is high, and all this kind of stuff. Stress is high yeah. because these kids are overly exposed at a, at a rate that we wouldn't even. You know, I grew up in a house. My kids laugh at me, man. I tell them we had one TV in the house and it was black and white. What? A black and white TV? Nah. We played the game. What color was his shirt? You know what I'm saying? Just crazy stuff that we weren't exposed to that yeah, kind of you, stuff. You Our know parents what? didn't allow you us to, to do that you kind had of to stuff. Be, uh, you had to be creative. You had to use your imagination. Yeah, you know? And we were yeah. kind of closer to nature in the sense that uh, we were outside a lot of the time. You know, all forced to be out. Like, you couldn't come back in the crib and, and just be in the house all day, just sitting around. You ain't making no money. You ain't meeting no girls. You ain't meeting... The, you ain't in the neighborhood. You ain't being tested. You ain't getting to no scraps. Right. You feel me? You, you ain't playing ball nowhere. Like, you're not engaged in the community. You just in the house or yeah. on the porch. You feel on me? On the like, PlayStation or, or watching TV. And, it's and that's, crazy. That, like, that's, it's just, I think so it's true. just an over... You just bombarded with, with too much entertainment, with too much leisure time. Yep. You know, man. Yep. So you gotta. And, and I just want to. I just really want to thank you, guys, backups, man. Because in this life, um, we always have to bridge the generations when it comes to not only wealth, but but knowledge, self-esteem. You know, having knowledge of self, knowledge of our history, knowing where we come from. You know, having integrity, having value. You dig and yeah. To, to to know that it's still OGs like you guys out here. That still got to, you know, put put your foot down. You know what I'm saying? And, hey, you're going to respect me. I don't care what you have or what you got. It's about respect. It's about integrity. It's about morale. Yep. Oh. You know what I mean? So I, I really do appreciate you guys, man, coming to the show and just expressing your opinions and viewpoints and your journey. And we. Oh, no doubt, man. Yeah. Thanks for having us, bro. I, I'm, I appreciate you having us on, man. Uh, most yeah, definitely, I really man. I look forward to, to having you guys on again soon. Smash, man. I got to come down to ATL, man, and see what the Georgia Peach is talking about uh, hey. for the one time. <laughs> I don't know, man. You might want to You might want to stay in the D, man. A- 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 <laughs> ATL ain't for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, listen here, man. It ain't... I, I remember visiting there for one of our family reunions. I, I I can say it's real different. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I love it, man. It's different. I love it. But hey, man, I I appreciate you having us on, man. And I love the real talk. And I think it just take it just take cats like us to sit some of these young people down. Like like I know that was done to me. A lot of old heads used to uh, sit me down Definitely. and just tell me what I was doing wrong or just listen to them and gain some of that wisdom. So. I think it's going to take us in this generation to sit them down and uh, kind of guide them. So I appreciate you having us on, man. I love yeah. to come on again and chop it up with you. Oh, definitely, man. And I look forward, yeah, man. man. You know, uh, hopefully doing you guys' show one day and you guys coming back on and revisiting, man. It's always a good talk. 
you know, um, sometimes, man, we don't even need topics. You know, there's so much in the world that's wrong and so much going on that we got to dissect it. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we know that these kids is coming up in toxic, uh, in a toxic society and they're susceptible to so much now. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's just not healthy. Yeah. It, just keep doing what you're doing, man. For you to be a, a younger brother in your, in, you know, in your late 20s and giving, giving game, to a point where it's not all about the flash and the dash. Just, you know, you're giving some substance, man. That's what really attracted me to you and want to, you know, want to rock with you. And I want definitely want to get you on our show, man, so you can bring that same perspective to our audience too, bro. And I think they'll be, it'll be a refreshing um, thing to, for them to see and hear what you got to say from a younger aspect, not yeah. from us old heads. And, and what <laughs> it is, man, you know, um, I, I come from, from a family of hustlers, man. I come from that kind of a city and come from that cloth where... You know, um, sometimes, bro, when, when you when you be exposed to certain kind of money, man, or certain kind of lifestyles, or you know, um, sometimes you got to get that you got to get that game from them kind of people, bro. Yeah, it's not you know. Yep. You, I learned that early that it's not always about the bag. It's about your family. It's about love. It's about the people you care about and, and, and them taking care of you and you taking care of them. You feel yep. me? Everything is always about that check. Everything is always about that bag, man. Everything is always about that lifestyle. You know, you want peace when you come home. Hey, this you dig? This you, you want spir- you want spiritual nourishment. You, you know what I mean? You want mental clarity. This what I tell. This what I tell That's everybody. What I was brought man. up around to be raised on and, and to uh, instill in myself and hopefully instill in my children to come and my nieces and nephews and little cousins and shit. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. Hey man, I, you know, so I appreciate you guys, man. I tell everybody, you you can chase that bag, and that, that's good, man. You know, but I'm gonna tell you one thing: <laughs> you can't take it with you. So I can chase this bag, but if I die, that means these mofo's around here are gonna be spending my money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I rather, you know, what I'm saying, I'm not gonna chase the bag because <laughs> yeah. I don't want y'all spending my money enjoying my death. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just here. Mm-hmm. But no, nah. you know what? Before we leave, before we wrap up, you definitely can't leave our our generation of, of kids nothing if they not taught no nothing about real estate, credit, you know, business acumen, business practices, financial literacy. These things are important. That when we do get the bag, okay, we pass down the knowledge first before we pass down the inheritance. Before we pass down the right. charity, yep. before we pass down any kind of anything uh, liquid as far as money goes, you have to pass down the knowledge to keep it. Yeah, you feel me? That's true. That's what it's about, man. So uh, I love to have you guys on soon, man. We about to wrap up ignorant intelligent podcast with talking brothers, man. I appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate it, man. No doubt, man. Anytime. Yeah. Peace. Peace out. Peace.